Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett on the Monday broadcast, and hope that you had a great weekend. I trust in the Lord for big things, and today I want to talk to you about uh, some things that you can do to have a better marriage. I'm going to give you six keys to a great marriage. Now, I got to tell you, about 20 years ago, I couldn't give this message because I was still kind of a newlywed, and I say uh, 20 years ago, I was married 13 years, and uh, we're getting ready to celebrate anniversary number 33, and uh, I want to tell you, I've learned a lot of things not to do in a marriage as much as things to do, but today, after uh, spending all this time married to the same woman and falling in love over and over and over again, I think there's a few things that I have learned. So I want to pass those on to you. I hope it'll be a blessing to you because, you know, the most important human relationship that you have is not with your children, is not even with a brother or sister in Christ. Those are very important relationships. I'm not diminishing those, but, you know, I spend more time with my wife than I do anybody else. So the most important human relationship that you're going to ever have is the relationship you have with your spouse. Now, if this is the most important relationship, it amazes me that we sometimes will spend more time researching a vehicle before we purchase it or researching a product before we buy it, but then we just jump into marriage without any uh, major understanding of what it is and what we should do in a marriage. And so I think that we ought to spend a little time looking at some keys to a great marriage. Now, as we think about a great marriage, marriages that are great are marriages that begin with good communication. As you think about good communication, these are just things, I'm not giving it to you these things in any particular order. Uh, they're just things that I have found that really help to have a great marriage. So, you know, some people who are married and, and maybe they need this material, so you can pass it on to them. You can counsel them. Or maybe you might uh, be getting married sometime in the future. You're listening to the broadcast today. And you say, well, I'm not married. Uh, You know, I'm not even thinking about marriage right now, but maybe one day you will be. And so this can help you in the future. And even if you don't, you still need to learn as an adult relational skills that apply to everyday relationships, not just marriage. So what we're going to talk about has application not just to those who are married, but also to every single person and every person who has a relationship with somebody in this life. Now, Ephesians chapter 5 Verse 31 and 32, Paul says, A man leaves his father and his mother, and he's joined to his wife. And the two become united into one. And he says, this is a great mystery. And uh, if you ever read the book of Proverbs, there's a lot about this mystery of, of marriage. In the book of Ecclesiastes, he talks about the mystery of a relationship between a man and a woman. And uh, Paul causes a great mystery. But he says then it's an, an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one. I gather from this passage that we can assume that when Paul is talking about a unified marriage, he is doing that so that the church may also be united. And when we look at this whole chapter of how a husband is to have this relationship with his wife, Paul uses the illustration of the church and Christ, and how we as the church, the body of Christ, uh, the bridegroom of Christ, have a relationship with Christ. As a matter of fact, Paul goes so far to say that a man should love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Uh, So men, if you're listening to me, uh, then you need to understand as this relationship with your spouse, uh, it's to be like a relationship where you are, are sacrificing or willing to give your very life for your wife. And uh, I had a lady one time come to me and said, well, my husband will give his life 
for me. I don't doubt that. If somebody broke into our house, uh, he would step in the in front of me to protect me from anybody who was trying to hurt me. But I can't get the guy to come help me with the dishes. And so Paul goes on by saying, don't just love your wife like Christ loved the church, but love your wife like you love yourself. And so we love our wives by serving our wives and being there for them, emotionally supporting them. And Proverbs 4.21 says, don't ever forget these words. They are the keys to life. So the Word of God gives us the keys that we need to have and live the abundant Christian life. James Dobson said, be mindful of your words. They can either heal or hurt with lasting effects. Now, if you go on a, a long-term marriage, now I, I don't think anybody gets married with the mindset that this is going to be a short-term thing. I think most people, and, and this is primarily believers that are listening to me, uh, believers go into marriage understanding that this is a commitment till death do us part. So when we're in this marriage relationship, key number one is that communication is essential. Proverbs 13, 17 says, reliable communication permits progress. In other words, the more I'm able to have consistency in what I say, the more I can make progress in my relationships. Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but only that which is good, that which is edifying, that it may bring grace to its hearers. I remember as my kids were coming along, uh, sometimes they would uh, say words that were not uplifting words. And I discovered a, a great way to help your kids if they're struggling with this issue of using foul language or, or inappropriate language, get them to memorize that verse I just read to you, Ephesians 4.29. I read it to you in the King James Version. You can find an easier translation. But when you break this verse apart, you see that it helps you to have reliable communication. So reliable communication is communication that is not corrupted. Uh, you ever been on the phone and, and the call is not clear? Uh, maybe you're too far from a cell tower and, and it's broken up, and that communication has become corrupted because it doesn't have a strong signal. When we think about talking with one another, let no corrupt communication, let nothing interfere with what you're trying to say. And as you're speaking, always speak good things always speak things that are edifying, that are building up others, that is actually giving grace to the hearers. Now, James Dobson also said, screaming, accusing, and berating are rarely successful in changing behavior of human beings of any age. Now, most marriage problems include some form of communication breakdown. You know this is, as much as I know this. You know, a guy was wearing a t-shirt that said, if a man speaks in the forest and his wife isn't there to hear him, is he still wrong? Uh, you know, communication is hard. Uh, it's exasperated by the fact that in our culture, the average person watches a lot of TV or watches a lot of time uh, on their phone screens. As a matter of fact, 46 hours a week of television is what the average couple will, or the average person rather will spend each week. But the average couple only spends about four minutes a day in meaningful conversation. And by meaningful conversation, uh, not just the facts, okay? 
Uh, it seems like we spend a lot of time communicating the facts with our spouse. We say, hey, how was your day? And uh, I'll ask my wife often, how did everything at church go today? Because uh, a lot of times I'm not in the church all day and uh, and I'm there uh, for just a moment. I say, how's everything going? Everything okay? Any any fires that I need to put out? Any problems that I need to address? And any good things that I need to know about? Uh, and, and so if that is all you're communicating, that is giving factual information and that's good information, but it's not deep enough. We need to spend more time communicating with our spouse. Now, one of the things we have to work on is if we're going to have a successful marriage is this whole issue of communication. We have to learn to put into practice good communication skills. And by the way, this is habit forming. Uh, We have to learn the skill of good communication. You've seen couples and I've seen them who before they ever get married, they would talk to each other all the time. Uh, They would literally spend hours on the phone. Many years ago, my wife and I, we had a long-distance relationship. Uh, she was going to school at Old Dominion here in uh, Hampton Roads, and, and I was a youth pastor up in Massachusetts. And so uh, back then, we didn't have cell phones, and uh, it was about 25 cents a minute to call somebody. And you, you get those calling cards and, and all that, and you get it down, maybe you get it down a few cents cheaper than 25 cents. Uh, I remember one month, I got a phone bill of 500 and some dollars. Now, uh, that was 35 years ago. And uh, that was a lot of money back then. Uh, but even today, $500 a month on a cell phone would be a, an astronomical bill. I mean, I've got four plans on my bill, and, and it's usually about $250 a month. So I think 33 years ago, uh, my wife and I would spend a lot of money communicating with one another. Uh, we spent a lot of time talking with each other. But then, uh, you know, what's, as the years go by, it seems like we talk less and less until you see a, a setting at a couple in a restaurant, and I can tell a couple that a restaurant, if they've been married for a long time, right? Uh, there is complete silence. Nobody, nobody's saying anything. Uh, they're just, uh, now sometimes that's not bad. I, I'm not trying to uh, paint a broad brush here, uh, but it seems as we get married longer and longer and longer, we communicate less and less and less, and our communication tends to be less meaningful. And matter of fact, it seems like we speak with grunts and groans instead of words, uh, but you know, we all have different needs when it comes to communication. Now, I am a communicator of facts. As a matter of fact, my wife and I, we've talked about this, and so, uh, you know, whenever my wife has to tell me something, uh, I, I tell her, and I says, honey, I love you, but can I just have the facts, please? Uh, can you land this plane? Like, she'll be circling around and around and around. And I says, man, I, I love this uh, circling around, but we got to land this plane. What is it that you're trying to tell me, okay? Uh, I can communicate with sound bites, uh, but my wife, she communicates with megabytes, okay? She gives me a lot of information. And, uh, and so we have different communication styles and different needs, and generally that's how it is, right? Now, you may have a role reversal in your relationship where the woman is more uh, speaking in sound bites and you're, as a man, speaking in megabytes, but women, as a rule, talk more than men. Uh, somebody has said that the reason is because she has to repeat everything to her husband because the husband's not listening. Right? And maybe there's some truth to that. But you need to set aside time every day, at least several times in a week, where you just debrief as a couple, where you talk about what's going on. In your world where you kind of keep that relationship connection going strong, you know, that begins with honest, authentic conversation. And when you do that, you're you're fulfilling one of the major keys of a healthy marriage. Now, let me give you one word of warning, right? Now, as we communicate, we're to speak honestly and we're to communicate the best way that you know how, because one of the things that causes problems in our relationships 
is when we begin to speak in riddles or send hidden messages. Occasionally someone, oftentimes maybe a woman, will perhaps say to her husband, I should have not told you this. You should have known this by now. Now, that little phrase right there, okay? Uh, Ladies, can I just tell you, we cannot read your mind, okay? Uh, You say, well, you guys can't be that dumb. Well, let me assure you, we are. Uh, We don't get it. Uh, You know, spell it out for us. Speak it out to us. Maybe write it down. Uh, Just don't give it to us too quickly, okay? Uh, Because it takes us a little while to process. And I've discovered that as a general rule, women are much better communicators than men. They are better at relationships than men. Men tend to gather together for a project, right? And that's what connects us together as men with men, right? We do a project together. We don't sit down and say, well, let's just talk about our problems. No, we want to work through our problems by doing something uh, physically with our hands. So when we think about working in this relationship with our spouse, the Bible says, Matthew 5, 37, just say yes and no. When you manipulate words to get your own way, you go wrong. So Jesus is saying, don't speak in riddles, right? Just say yes and no. Don't try to manipulate things with the way that you speak, because when you do that, you're going down the wrong path. And by the way, how much more true is this with somebody that you love? The key to having a strong, loving relationship is communicating and speaking the truth in love. So key number one is communication. Reliable communication, Proverbs 13, 17, will bring about progress. Let's look at the second key. Number two is consideration. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, You must learn to be considerate of one another, cultivating a life in common. So doing things that builds about or cultivates a life of commonality. You must be considerate of your husband, of your wife. Considerate means that I'm not thinking only of yourself. Uh, you start thinking of we instead of me. It means paying attention to what your spouse says. It means showing common courtesy. It means respecting and treating them with respect and care. Now, husbands, we especially need to work on this consideration aspect, but all of us need to work on it together. One of the primary purposes of marriage, and maybe you never even thought about this, but one of the primary reasons that we get married is so that we can learn how to be considerate. Notice it says you must learn to be considerate. In other words, by nature, we are not considerate. We have to learn to be considerate. You know why we must learn to be considerate? Because you are not by nature, and I am not by nature, a considerate person. By nature, I'm a selfish person. All of us by nature are a selfish person. You know, I think about my needs. I think about my hurts and my wants. I'm not generally thinking about yours. I'm thinking about me. So one of the whole purposes of marriage is to think we, not me, to teach us to be considerate because Jesus is considerate. Now, God's purpose in your marriage is not to make you happy. Now, I know that may come as a shock, Because we're living in a time and a day and age where everything is about my happiness. That's a benefit of marriage, but that's not the primary purpose of marriage. You know, the purpose of marriage is not to make us happy, but to help us to be holy. Because when you get into a marriage, you don't get your way all the time anymore. You have to learn to be considerate. 
So marriage is a school of consideration where we are learning to be unselfish. You learn it by uh, in marriage more, I think, more than in any other place. Why? Because you know, I go to work and I, I spend time with people, that, but then I go home. I'm done, right? Uh, I don't spend the bulk of my life at work. I probably spend a third of my life at work, maybe a little more than a third at work. And then you spend another uh, third of your life probably sleeping or resting. And then you have that third of your life that's left over. Uh, But the person that you generally spend the most time with is your spouse. So marriage is a school teaching us the art of consideration, learning to be unselfish. And we learn it in marriage more than any other place. I think 1 Peter 3, 7 says, husbands. Show consideration for your wives in your life together so that nothing hinders your prayer. Now, husbands, as I said, we especially have to work on this. Did you know that, men, when you are inconsiderate to your wife, God does not hear your prayers? It doesn't mean that he cannot audibly hear them. It means that he's not going to respond to them. You know, if you're out bossing the family around and and being selfish and and being controlling and being manipulative or or being harsh or inconsiderate, God says, I'm not going to listen to the prayers of a selfish man. He say, well, God, I need your help on this business deal. And he says, you're too selfish. Maybe you say, but I need this business to succeed. And God says, you're too selfish. You know, one of the primary goals of our lives is for God to teach us to be unselfish. This is the primary school of marriage. Now, here's a verse that I think will really help you. I'm calling this a bonus verse, okay? Proverbs 18, verses 20 to 22. Let me read it, make a few comments on that. And uh, Proverbs 18, 20 to 22, when the fruit of a man's mouth is his stomach, will be satisfied. He will be satisfied with the product of his lips. Verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. I've got that highlighted in my notes, right? Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Now look at where Solomon puts this little phrase, death and life are in the power of the tongue. He talks about our stomachs being satisfied, and to be satisfied as we use good words coming out of our mouths, as we use uplifting language, we actually are not only satisfying the person who is hearing us, but we're also filling our stomach with satisfaction. And then he says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. With this little tongue, this little three-inch member of our body that flaps around in between our teeth and in our mouth, this little tongue can bring life or death. Now, when you think about that, especially if you're a dad, right? You have the unique ability with that tongue to bless your family or to hurt your family, to bring life to your family or to bring death to your family. And those who love it will eat its fruit. And then he brings in the subject of a wife. If a person finds a wife, a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing and he gets favor from the Lord. So I think these three verses have got to be kept together. Verses 20, 21, and 22 of Proverbs 18 Uh, Because if we keep them together, we discover we will be satisfied how we speak. Life and death will be in the power of our tongue. And then we will have this wife that will be a good thing for us. And we obtain favor from the Lord, all circulating around the use of our tongue. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says, show your love by being helpful to one another. You see, the problem is the longer you're in a relationship, 
the more inconsiderate you will tend to become because we take each other for granted. You are probably most considerate when you are dating. You know, you always say, well, after you, and, and no, 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 after you, and, and you were very polite, and you were very considerate in the dating stage, and, and later it's like, well, get it yourself, right? What happened? We have taken our spouse for granted. In Colossians chapter 3, it says, you must make allowances for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Now, somewhere I found the five stages of a marriage cold, right? And I I thought this was really good because talking about being considerate, uh, especially now with so many people being sick with COVID and so many people being sick uh, with the allergies and colds and all that stuff. In the first year, uh, you say, "Well, well, baby darling, I'm worried about that sniffle that you have, so I've called the paramedics to rush you into the Chesapeake Regional Hospital for a checkup and uh, just take some rest for the rest of the week. Now, I know you don't like hospital food, and and so when you're there, I'm going to bring a gourmet meal for you, and I'm going to allow you to get through this cold and uh, and heal up, okay? Uh, That's the first year of marriage. By the second year, it's, well, sweetheart, I don't like the sound of that cough. I've arranged for the doctors to make a house call. Let me tuck you in bed. Year three, it's the deterioration phase where uh, where you say, well, uh, you know, you look like you've got a a fever, so why don't you drive yourself over to a patient first and and get some medicine, and and I'll watch the kids while you're gone. Then by the time year four comes along, uh, the same little sniffles take place, and uh, and by year four in the marriage, you say, well, well, look, uh, let's be sensible. You know, after you fed and bathed the kids and you washed the dishes, and you really ought to go to bed. Just go to bed a little bit earlier this today. <laughs> by year five, right? This is what happens by year five. You say, well, you know, your wife's got the sniffles and she's coughing a little bit. And you say, well, for Pete's sake, do you have to cough so loud? I can't hear the TV. Uh, would you mind going into the other room while the show is on? Uh, you sound like a barking dog, right? Uh, isn't it amazing how that can change? Two young lovers walked down the street. She tripped and he worried, be careful, sweets. Now that you're married, they walk down the same exact street. When she trips, he says, well, pick up your feet. (laughs) Well, how do you show sympathy? How do you show compassion? How do you show consideration for one another? Well, there's three verses that I think can really be very practical in helping us to be considerate of one another. First of all, be helpful, offering practical help. You know, consideration is is seeing what your mate needs in advance and not having to wait for them to ask for that help. It's being considered. And so you ask, hey, can I help you? It's that taking of the initiative. Ephesians 4.2 says that you show your love by being helpful to each other. That's the consideration aspect. Just being practical and and helping each other out, and without having your spouse necessarily ask, you can see that they need some help. And and this means bringing in the groceries. Uh, Even if it's in the fourth quarter of your favorite team playing, and there's uh, 30 seconds left on the clock, right? Uh, It means waiting until both of her legs are in the car before you shut the door, right? It's common consideration. Thinking about that would be helpful. Here's another thing you do. Not only be helpful, Ephesians 4, 2, but sympathize with their fears and their doubts. 
You know, I've discovered there's some things that my wife is very fearful of. She actually hates going over the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel. And so whenever I drive over that, uh, that bridge tunnel, and uh, we do it often because my family is up in New England, and, and I always make sure uh, that I go the speed limit, right? And I got two hands on the wheel, and I'm focused on my driving. And I find that really alleviates her fear. You know, I'm not just driving with one arm and, and just kind of fiddling around with uh, my phone or fiddling around with that. I'm, I'm focused as we go over the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel because I know that she is fearful of that. Romans 15 says, we must be considerate of the doubts and the fears of others. If we do what helps them, we will build up the Lord. As you think about that, your fears are stupid. They're dumb. They're illogical. But they are something we all have. So be considerate of your spouse. Now, there's one other thing we've got to look at, and that is forgiving of their mistakes. You see, you're imperfect and you married an imperfect person, and it's impossible for two imperfect people to have a perfect marriage. There's no such thing as a perfect relationship because sinners marry sinners. So join me tomorrow as we finish up these six keys to a strong, successful, and healthy marriage. Well, thank you so much for listening today. If I can help you with anything, if I can pray for you, please give me a call at 757-421-7500, 757-421-7500. Love to pray with you, love to help you out any way that I can. I look forward to taking part two of this subject tomorrow. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. I'm praying that you can have a strong marriage, a healthy marriage, a marriage that is made in heaven. God bless you. I appreciate you listening today. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.